Welcome to the Modern CPA Success Show, where we're 100% focused on helping accounting firms achieve success. If you're an accounting firm owner who wants to learn how to grow your firm by providing virtual CFO services, then this podcast is for you. Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. Today, we are excited to hit on a topic that we've wanted to talk about for a while, but we did wanted to have a, a guest that really understood the issue in order to talk about this. So today, we are going to talk about value-based pricing um, with our guest, uh, Geraldine Carter. Uh, Geraldine was recently on our Modern CPA um, podcast, and so we're bringing her back to really talk about this topic. But um, for, our, for our audience, Geraldine, do you want to give a little bit about your background and um, kind of how you got started um, understanding the, the value-based pricing um, world? Sure. So, and thank you, Jamie. And hi, Adam. Hi, Jody. It's great to be with you guys. I'm a big fan of your, oh. both of your shows. So a quick intro is I work one-on-one with CPAs. I'm not CPA. I'm an engineer by, uh, by background, by training. And I started a business with a friend. And after six years, I went out on my own to be a coach, have a simpler life and started working with business owners to help them in their own businesses, understand their financials, because in the business that I had, I basically fell into the CFO role. So I understood all things financial, the money, math, the forecasting, all the rest. And a number of my colleagues in their own businesses were suffering, not understanding those things. So that's how I got started business coaching. And then a CPA came to me and asked, if I would help them in their business. And I did a bit of a record scratch because I thought, wait, don't you guys know how everything about business you get it by osmosis? <laughs> and they're just a business, CPAs are business owners like everybody else. There's a lot of stuff they know. All of us as business owners have things we don't know and need to learn. So that was my launching point into working one-on-one with CPAs to help them transform their businesses from an overwhelming tax factory into something that's leaner, more profitable, and much more enjoyable to run. If you want to hear more about that story, we did that in the other podcast. We talked about, you know, kind of the transformation for JLD and it's a really fun story. So make sure to check out that podcast on our, on our modern CPA um, show there, but um, no, I love the introduction. So um, let's, let's jump right in. Let's, let's just talk about, um, let's, let's first off, I think the important thing to me, and I've been in a lot of value-based pricing conversations, and I feel like one of the most important parts of a value-based pricing conversation is I think you need to define it. So um, Jody, do you mind kind of talking about what we mean by value-based pricing? And I'll let Jody and Adam you know, add any um, insights they have as well, because I think it's really important. A lot of times it's interesting that people have a different idea of what value-based pricing is. And so, um, Gerald, I'll let you start with the definition. Yeah, important question. And I think requires clarification because in the, in, the, in the accounting space, especially which is where I listen, there's a lot of, there's a lack of clarity around what value-based pricing is and is not. And what I hear when I sort of listen softly is basically anything that's not hourly or cost plus is therefore value. And that is not the situation. Value-based pricing requires that you have a one-on-one conversation with your client to understand what is valuable to them. A lot of CPAs and accountants think that stuff that is flat rate is value. And that if you're not having a conversation with your client, you're not assessing the value. So in order to get at value for your clients, it's helpful to think of the three questions that you can ask why now, why me, and why this way? And when you ask those questions and you dig at the answers, you'll start to understand what is most valuable to your clients. And then you can 
quantify that, assign, start assigning a price to that, and then back in to the services and the price that you'll offer relative to the value that it will provide for that client. But if your blanket flat rate pricing, for example, just for CPAs and accountants, um, returns, business returns, 1040s, and you're rating them, that's flat rate. That's not value if you're not having value conversation. Great. So um, Joe, you want to talk about that a little bit on the agency side. So um, again, for, for the agencies that are listening to this, this episode, um, what, how would you define um, value-based pricing for them? Yeah. So I look at it very similar, but with a little, little different. Um, I think it's important to know what the services that you're providing and, and really kind of what the profit you need to have on those services. You need to pretty, you need to have a good in-depth knowledge of what you're providing and really how much how, how much time it takes. Because when it when when it really comes down to it, there's a time there's a time focus on really everything we do. And so with that, we want to make sure that hey, if we're going to do a flat fee, like kind of what Geraldine's saying, making sure that we hey we're profitable on it. But then kind of going a little bit step further, like Geraldine was saying, we had to take a step back when we did our pricing model. Uh, because not everything is valued the same way. And so, you know, what I mean by that is that, you know, we looked at it and said, you know, hey, how valuable to a client is reconciling their bank accounts, you know, doing the, the basic accounting stuff. And we found that when people come to us, that's not why they come to us. So that's not, that's not the value point. So we can't really increase the price a whole lot on that. So that, that is what it is. And so we come up with a flat fee for the different service levels that we offer on the accounting side. But what's more important to the client, we we found is that you know the the, the weekly meetings, the handholdings, the modeling, the forecasting, the KPIs, you know everything that we can present to them and help them M and A's, uh, profit sharing plans, you know whatever that is, that's the more value that, that that's the reason why they come to us. And so with those different you know, factors, they've got to have a higher profit margin because that's why they're coming to us. The value is a lot higher to the client. So we've identified what's valuable to the client. Uh, you know, and what's not valuable to the client. And then we had to take it even one step further because what we present to a million dollar client is a lot, a huge, significantly different service than what's presented to a $10 million client. You know, if we present a million dollar price to a $10 million client, they'd laugh at it or they would, you know, hey, let's sign you up right away. And then you'd find out you're not profitable. So there's gotta be a way to scale it. And so we actually taking those in factors, we took and scale based on revenue on the, on the fork, on the, uh, the CFO side. So the higher the revenue, the, the more the service costs and then, and the lower the revenue, you know, conversely. And then on the um, accounting side, we looked at people. We felt the more people they had, you know, we're going to have the more they're going to have with, you know, the accounts payable receivables, that sort of thing. And so we, we scaled based on people as well as based on revenue to make sure that we provided it. So again, providing the value for the service that we're offering what they're what they're perceiving versus what I would call the traditional uh, value based pricing a long time ago is what the end result's going to be. It's really hard to tell. The clients don't know, so it's really hard to say. You know, hey, I think we're going to give this value out in the sky somewhere, and I'm going to charge you that price. You know, it's really hard for clients to comprehend that, and, and a lot of times they're not really truthful with you on that because they know what you're playing and they, they're going to try to downsize that. So the the traditional model of value based pricing is a little different than what I than what we do at Summit. And it sounds like it's very similar to what, what you do uh, and what you coach with your, your, with your team, correct? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot in there for sure. And it's, it's not an easy answer, right? So um, there are a couple of things going on 
with, it sounds like you're segmenting by revenue, you're segmenting your people, segmenting by revenue, segmenting by how much people, making sure in essence that how you price is profitable and that there are certain margins on there, Mm -hmm. which of course, from a business standpoint, you want to make sure that what you're selling is profitable. Otherwise, what's the point? The, um, where I think there's, where things get murky is the thing with value pricing is that when you have a single conversation with people, the situation that it sets up is leaving the least amount of profit on the table. Whereas, but the problem with value pricing by having the one-on-one conversation and then assessing um, prices after you have that conversation is that it isn't scalable. And with your situation at Summit, you need something that's scalable because you because you've got so many moving parts and you've got lots of clients. So it makes having a um, a value-based conversation in a traditional sense and assigning um, specific prices, one price per customer, everybody gets their own price. It presents complications for you. It reduces scalability, it increases friction. So I think what you're doing by with segmenting your client base by revenue, by people enables you to find the sweet spot between the two where you can have something that is, you know, you're thinking about the value, but you're also leveraging the scalability of something that's more flat rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and we, we a la carte it for clients so that, you know, they're not buying something that they don't really want. And so it's, it's, you know, every, every client comes to us, they're going to, it's going to be a different price. It's not a one price fits all model, like a lot of flat fee or a lot of tax terms maybe are, are done that way. Uh, it, it's based on really what the clients wants and needs. You know, do they, do they want someone to oversee their accounting staff or do they want somebody to be their accounting staff? Do they want somebody to sit along their CFO or somebody to be their CFO? You know, those are the different, you know, you know factors that are coming into play when we, we do the service because again, the pricing is going to be completely different because the value is completely different. And so we want to make sure that we, they're one-on-one and then annually looking at that and reevaluating because clients grow at different speeds, you know, so this client go from 2 million to 10 million in one year, if that's the case, then at that anniversary, we need to look at it and plug in, Hey, here's what the $10 million amount is or the $5 million amount. Or if they went backward, here's what the half a million dollar amount is. You know, that type of thing is important to constantly look at on an annual basis and, and make sure that uh, it's followed through. Great, great points. Um, so Adam, we've heard, heard two opinions on value-based pricing here, which there are a lot of similarities at, but also it sounds like a couple little small um, differences there. So Adam, I'm interested in your um, your thoughts on what both uh, Jody and Geraldine just said. Yeah, obviously I'm swayed a little bit more towards uh, Jody's side uh, in terms of being able to make it scalable, Ger- Geraldine, to your point. You know, our intent was to, be able to have anybody on our team be able to quote this service and for our clients to really feel the transparency in what we're doing and that people weren't being priced based on ability to pay. Um, Because I think a lot of times whenever, don't get me wrong, I, I talk about it all the time with the team internally. It's like, hey, you can say that that's $2,000 because it's going to take us 20 hours all you want or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's not worth 200 bucks to anybody. So we shouldn't do it, you know? So, you know, so we'll have those kind of conversations. Um, But like I said, at the end of the day with, with the clients and the team, we wanted them to feel like on that first initial call that based on what they said 
in that call or how, what their status is in terms of their company or their personal lifestyle didn't really dictate how we're going to charge them. So we're like, Hey, there's a value. There's a certain value to us being your CFO, or there's a certain value to us overseeing your team. And here's what it is. We understand that there is some modifications based on the size of the company. That's the only thing that we've really kind of seen some indications. That doesn't mean that we don't spend just as much time on a smaller company as we do a large company um, or vice versa. But at the end of the day, you know, we kind of have to put our, uh, you know, we have to kind of put the, the stake in the ground somewhere. And that's kind of where we've found the most correlation to be for us. Um, and clients really do appreciate that transparency. And I think that's one of the things that helps sell our service the best. Well, also for me, one of the things that I've always liked about um, value-based pricing, and again, I may be off base on this, so I'm curious if Geraldine, I'm on the, going down the wrong path here, is but like to me, when you talk about value, it's nice to know like a dollar amount of what that actual value is. And so for us, um, you know, using the CPA firm as, as an example here, like we know how much it costs to hire a CPA because we do that all the time, right? Like we're always looking for CFOs. We're always looking for accountants. We're always looking for controllers. And so I know exactly how much that I have to pay a CFO or a controller or a, an accountant. And so when someone comes to me saying, okay, these are the services I want, A, B, C, D, I know how much they're going to have to pay for that to get that full time. And so if I, as long as I know my price is in that range and a little bit less because they're getting it fractional, then I understand the value of that because I'm doing that pricing all the time. And so to me, that I've always made that correlation of like, okay, we're going to, we're going to charge you $90,000 a year to do what you just said. But if you had to hire an accountant and a CFO and a controller to do those three things, it's going to cost you $300,000 to do that internally. So I know my $90,000 has value to you because we're doing it fractionally. Is that, is that the right thought there or am I um, off base on that in any way? Okay. So make your question a little smaller so I can track the whole thing because there's okay. a bunch of stuff in there. Yeah. So my, I, my question is, is the, does the, the fact that I know how much it costs for them to do the services I'm doing directly, if they were to hire someone makes value-based pricing easier for me because I know how much um, to charge them. Is that, is that similar to value-based pricing? Okay. So there are a couple of things in there. So the fact that you know how much it costs helps you be confident in your value of what you're doing and helps right. you be confident in your prices, mm -hmm. right? And when you're confident in your prices, that gets conveyed to your client. Cause you, cause you can say basically, look out on the open market, if you're going to hire these people, all three piecemeal, here's how much it costs. So relative to that anchor price, what we're doing is a fraction of that cost that by comparison, this is a great price for you because you get the exact same thing. You get the same value for less money, which makes it more worth it. Right. And right. that's the ratio is how much is it worth it? And that's what buyers are thinking about. How much is it worth it? So that's one piece of that. Another piece in there is um, based on ability to pay. I mean, we're always basing our prices on ability to pay because if somebody came to you and they only had $10,000 to spend, you're, they wouldn't even, the conversation would go nowhere because they don't have an ability to pay. So even so, with value pricing where it gets, it can get a little bit, um, it can become unclear is what I think it's easy not to see is that we are basing our prices already by default on ability to pay. So does that answer your question? Did I get to it? Yeah, no, I think so. Yeah. Like I said, I think that the fact that we understand our value because we see our value every day makes it easier to feel like I'm doing value-based pricing when I'm going into a quote and being like, okay, I know what they would pay for this in the open market. And so there is, there is some value to that. So that's, that's always the way I've, I've um, been able to define it for me. 
And there's, let me tack on one thing, because there's something that you're doing in there that I think is valuable for listeners is that you have an anchor point that is much higher than your price, right? And the anchor point of the summation of the controller, the CFO and the, the accounting team, $300,000, by comparison, your price is a fraction of that makes it appear more valuable in your buyer's mind. And that's pricing psychology. So having that high anchor point um, to compare your price to makes the buying decision so much easier when there's a clear spread between the sort of maximum anchor and what your price actually is. Are you interested in offering virtual CFO services at your firm or scaling your existing service offerings? The Virtual CFO Playbook how to Land $60,000 a Year Clients and Provide a Killer Client Experience is an online series of modules that will equip you with essential tools for creating and delivering scalable VCFO services. These approaches have helped Summit CPA grow from $500,000 to upwards of $5 million in revenue over the past decade. If you're ready to grow your firm, visit summitcpa.net slash VCFO Playbook to enroll now. I got a question to you kind of circling back around to our creative agency space. Um, if, if we're quoting a, a job that is maybe typically $300,000 or a million dollars or, or something of that nature, how would you go about value-based pricing based on your modeling on something that of that size versus just an accounting fee, which may be smaller, uh, a lot smaller in nature? So how would I go about value-based having a pricing conversation? So, mm-hmm. The, the place to start is always with, which what we um, said at the outset is understanding the value to the client, right? The three value questions, why me? Which sounds like, you know, why are you guys coming to us? Like, why are you leaving, even thinking about leaving your old accountant? And they give you a whole host of reasons. They didn't do it on time. Their stuff was a mess. We weren't confident in its accuracy. And then you can go with, and you want to dig into those questions, right? Because they want to, you want to understand what's important that they think you have that they weren't getting at their previous firm. And then with why now, like, why not wait six months and see if this problem goes away? Like, why not do this six months ago? What prevented you from calling us then? Did you not have the cash flow? And so on. So you want to understand why is it important that it happened now? Why is this urgent? Do you have, are you looking at occupying a new space? Are you looking at expanding or is your revenue shrinking and you're worried about it and you want to get on top of it before it's too late? And they'll give you a whole host of reasons why it's important to do it now. And then why in this manner, you know, why do it with us? Why not outsource, you know, why not outsource it to somebody else? There's a bunch of people who offer VCFO services, not as good as ours, but why not do it with one of them? Or why not have it in-house? You know, why not hire your own people? And they'll say, oh, we hired somebody in-house. They were terrible. We don't like managing staff. We da, da, da. They'll give you all the reasons. And you want to dig at the ones that seem most salient to understand why they're coming to you instead of somebody else. Why now instead of waiting? And why this way instead of, you know, just going to bench.com or I don't know, Fathom and cooking up their QuickBooks and doing that all themselves. And they will tell you, all the reasons why they can't do it. And from there, you can understand, you can back into the value and start to quantify why it's important that they work with you now. And you can pin back to Jamie's point, a high price. Like if we could do all these things for you and get all this lined out and have it done by this certain date. So you could go to the bank for your loan. I mean, what would that be worth to you? And you employ 
a sort of pricing trick, which is pin an arbitrarily absurdly high price just so you can back in. Say like, would that be worth? I don't know. I'm just playing here. Million dollars, hundred thousand dollars, fifty thousand dollars, fifty dollars, and then they've got a window. They oh no no no, but like we would definitely like I don't know seventy five ninety thousand dollars definitely be worth it. So that's how, I mean, this is where value pricing becomes the art and not the science because there's a ton of squishiness in there, but that's how you can systematically think about beginning to assign a value price to these sort of intangible pieces that are not necessarily directly financially related, but that's how you can start getting close to a price. Uh, and I think, you know, to, to Jody's question, like thinking about that in terms of an agency, you know, whether it's a, a website design, a whole new marketing program that's completely integrated with with web, I think like those three questions as you were going through them, I was, I was thinking about how my clients' clients would have answered those. And I think there's a lot of really good things to unpack there. And I know, Adam, you work with agencies quite a bit. Do you want to give um, some examples of some things they might be seeing in terms of those, those three value-based questions? Yeah, I mean, I think they start out that way. I think one of the things that they get a little bit hung up on is, you know, everybody's kind of got a budget, you know, and so how how do you kind of counter that or tackle that whenever you're doing value-based pricing, Geraldine? Um, because that's, you know, for a lot of agencies, again, that's, that's what they're kind of coming into. And there's a lot of moving pieces. So, um, you know, they might have eight or you know, four to five, six to eight people on a, on a project at once. So how does that, how does that kind of yeah. go into value-based yeah. pricing? So providing a menu of options, right? As Alan Weiss likes to say, a choice of yeses so that you're giving them three options, not five, not two, so that they can compare and they feel like they are making an informed choice about which option works for them within their budget. And when you have that value-based conversation and you understand what their most important outcomes are, then you reverse engineer your services that will all satisfy those outcomes, right? So just in simple terms, just say I um, rented, I helped, I had a transportation company. Somebody came to me and said, hey, I wanna get across town. You can say, great, for $10,000, I'll drive you across town right now in my Lexus. For $5,000, you can take this Toyota. It's the exact same car with a different emblem on the front. Here's a map. And for 50 bucks, here's a bike. It's a beautiful day. It's all flat. It's five miles. It'll take you 30 minutes to get there. Which one do you want? They all get you across town. They meet the exact same outcome, the exact same desired outcome, but the client gets to choose based on how much they have to spend and how much travel, how much style do they want to travel in, if you will. So for your creative agencies, focus on the outcome with the value conversation. That's how you get there. And then you back in with three services at, let's just say the budget is $45,000. You can put one that's really valuable at 50 above their budget. If it's valuable, people will go above their budget when they see the value. And then you can have another one at $22,000 and another one at $10,000, right? You can use, there's a pricing curve in there embedded in there. That one's Goldilocks, 1X, 2.2X, 5X to spread your services out so that they've got a menu they can choose from, all of which, this is important, all of which satisfy their outcome. And you as the provider design the service so that it is still profitable for you. That way you're providing a service in which it's profitable for both parties. 
I think that the really good point that you made there was right at the end. I think that the, the important part of selling in that way is understanding how all three meet their needs. And I think to your point earlier is like, you have to understand what those needs are and what those questions are coming into that sales call. So if they define, this is the three things we need, you can say, well, I can meet those three things in three different ways. And let me explain the difference. Like this one package here is going to meet those needs in this way. And it's going to be this, this, and this, and this is how it's going to meet the needs, but you're getting all these extra things that are going to exceed those needs. And then the middle one is obviously the, you know, this is how it meets your needs. And these are the, those three things above, this is why you might not need them and might not want them. And so really being able to explain, explain that at each package level is, is kind of the art of sale in a lot of ways. And an important piece in here with value-based pricing is that oftentimes it works best. It's easiest to wrap your head around with projects single discrete projects with a clear beginning, a clear middle and a clear end. So if that's, you know, that's worth at least $10,000, otherwise it's not worth your time to have the conversation to begin with just because it's an involved conversation. So if you think about just in terms of projects with value-based pricing, that's the easiest place to start. And then once you get good at it, you can kind of map it over to your recurring revenue streams. But I would say it's harder to start with your recurring revenue streams because it's a little harder to get your, it's a little harder to get your brain around it. So, so Jody, obviously we sell the recurring revenue streams and that's, that's where we started. So you want to um, touch on that at all in terms of like recurring revenue. And we touched about a little bit earlier, but recurring revenue and, and value-based pricing and kind of the difficulties that we may have experienced. Yeah, sure. Um, so back in 2000 is roughly 2004 is when we actually started implementing what we call subscription-based billing, which is again, a reoccurring revenue stream um, for um, virtual CFO services. And we did it in a similar manner or a similar um, positioning as if we were hiring an employee. You'd hire, when you hire an employee, you're paying them on a bi-weekly basis or weekly basis or monthly basis, probably not a monthly basis, but you're paying them on a regular basis uh, for that service that they're providing. And so we, we looked at it in a similar manner to which we were going to provide um, a, a service-based company like ours um, on a reoccurring revenue model uh, like we did um, with on a perpetual basis, meaning that the client can cancel really anytime they want. So if, if they are in three weeks in the engagement, because we, we actually do it on a weekly basis. So we zap their account every Monday, you know, for the fee for the, for the coming up week and the engagement's perpetual. So if they decide they want to change scope and engagement at that point, the engagement uh, refocuses, the price changes, scope changes. Um, at the end of the year, uh, we evaluate again, how big the client is. So if the client grew or, or shrank, you know, our fee will adjust accordingly. And so we have, we have those touch points throughout that engagement to make sure that um, we on the long-term are not going to lose out and the client on the long-term is not going to lose out as well. So it's a win-win for, for both. And it's similar to an employee arrangement, you know, at the end of the year, they get a raise or they don't get a raise, you know, the same thing with us, you know, as the company grows, we, you know, our fee will increase. And so the, the key there is making it perpetual uh, so that the client knows, hey, similar type of thing. If things are going south, I can, you know, pull the plug on you right now. And we're cool with that because, again, that's that's the idea. We want to make sure that we continue to provide value. Um, over time, we find clients stay with us for four plus years, and uh, it, it, the model works extremely well. Uh, when we went to the point where it was just a monthly basis, or you do a project, you know, you're not you're not sticking with the client because the client's not meeting with you on a regular weekly basis anymore. You know, so the, the, the key is just being that stickiness with the client, uh, making sure that it's perpetual and, uh, you know, making sure that you're providing a, a solid service at any time. And, 
I think it kind of goes back to, you know, when, when you're providing all this, you know, do you really know if you're providing that service? But I think that's where it comes into constantly uh, pulling your, your, your clients and constantly pulling your employees uh, to say, you know, hey, do you feel the client is getting the service that they need? And then on the client side, do you feel like they're getting the service from our team? Uh, so that throughout that process, if things are going south, uh, you know about it right away and you can kind of fix the problem. Uh, so again, it continue build it continues to build trust to the client that hey, you know, this is a long-term relationship, not uh, something short-term that they're used to having, you know, from an accounting firm or from a, from a different uh, advisory point. Great. I think that's a great example. I think the biggest part of that is, is a lot of those lessons were learned along the way. You know, I know a lot of things that, um, again, in my uh, six years here at Summit, like the way we were doing things back then is, is definitely changed over time. And there's certain things we've added. And I think one of the things you mentioned is the, um, you know, evaluating the businesses every year, looking at, okay, has the revenue grown? And then I think the other thing that we added was, you know, and I think we always had this, but it's more communicating it is giving the the team, the CFOs, the accountants, the ability to change pricing throughout. You know, I think a lot of times that's something that a team might not have at other at other companies. And so like to be aware that okay, if they just added services A, B, and C, you know, you don't need to do it out of scope. You need to make sure you have that conversation with them right away if they want those services that this is what the price is going to change to. So giving that um that um that right to your team to be able to have those conversations has been important for us as well in terms of that. So um, we are getting pretty close on time here. So um, I don't want to open up a brand new topic, but I do want to kind of get some some final thoughts on value-based pricing. I know it's been very successful for us. And I know um, quite a few agencies I work with um, really have, um, have uh, you know, understood this and it's really changed their business in a lot of ways. So again, we'll start with our guests and then we'll go around the corner, around the, around the room. But uh, Geraldine, any final thoughts on um, value-based pricing that we may have not touched in this uh, 30 minutes? Yeah, I would say the most important thing to remember is that your costs should be decoupled from your prices, right? Because there's, you know, you want to make sure that you're profitable, of course, obviously, but decouple that from the value that you're creating and set prices relative to the value and divorce it from your costs. Okay. That's a, definitely a great point. Adam, over to you. I was going to say, um, and remember to do the opposite of that. <laughs> and, 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 um, you know, I'll be the Debbie Downer um, on the accounting side. You know, value-based pricing doesn't mean you get away from time tracking and understanding your resources and understanding your costs. So um, it is uh, it is an evergreen process. Like you're going to always be learning and changing and values going to change over time. And there's going to be some things that maybe just aren't worth doing. You know, the value is not going to be there. So that's why just taking a step back and looking at and analyzing your cost on a on a regular basis and maintenancing your own company is, is important, whether you're an agency or an accounting firm. I think it goes a long way. Great, great point. All right, Jody, I'll throw it over to you to yeah, finish yeah. this. Kind of looking at both. Again, it, it's important, as Geraldine mentioned, uh, make sure you know what your costs are. I mean, that's, that's important because you, you don't want to obviously sell something that maybe has little value and the value is lower than the cost, you know, that would be a, a bad thing, obviously, unless it's coupled into something else. So knowing what that cost is, the profit margin is, but then from there looking and seeing from now I know what my cost is, my breaking, what I have to sell it for at a minimum, uh, then what's the value to the client? You know, is the, is the value tremendous? Is it, is it significantly bigger? You know, then that needs to be priced significantly more, you know, is the value something that they can get, the, the, from the person next door, you know, and it's not, it's, it's a commoditized thing. Well, maybe not as much. You, maybe that doesn't have a significant jump. So you need, really need to know 
what the value is for the client. And that, that value is going to really help you dictate the price. But again, like Adam mentioned, you always want to look at it. Time tracking is so important because it's, you're not charging by the hour, but what you're doing is you're, you're going back and reassessing really what is your team doing. And, you know, as you scale and grow, you know, your team may, may be doing it five different ways. And it's important for you to figure that out and profit, seeing the profit margin, you kind of, kind of tell, you know, is this person's profit margin always low because they're doing it the old way versus the new way that the other four, four people are doing it. And so again, it gives you that education point where you can go back and, and see, hey, what, where, where's the process broken here? What tools are, aren't they using, you know, really to kind of help make that and then to reevaluate the, the, your pricing all the time, you know, just because you set it in stone today doesn't mean that, you know, two years later, a year later, you can't go back and start adjusting things to make sure that they, uh, they fit the mold. Yeah, no, all, all great points. And I think just to, to add to that is I think, you know, a big part of this is, is there's so much education that goes into sales. You know, if you're, if your salespeople don't understand what Jody just talked about that, okay, product a is my most profitable product, then, you know, they're not going to try to sell to that one, or, you know, maybe we'll sell product C because it's a lower profit, but this client, if we do a really good job on C, we're going to get a, and we're going to get those high profit margins. And so your salespeople need to understand all of that information and you need to have those conversations with them in a, a salesperson person just can't be a, a fancy talker who's, who's good at closing deals. And, you know, you want to make sure they understand all that information in order to be successful and help your company be successful. So great points. Um, appreciate having all three of you on today. I think that was an awesome discussion that our listeners are really going to enjoy. So thanks for joining us. Jamie, thank Jody, Adam, thanks so much for having me. Yes, thank, thank you. Enjoy this podcast? Visit our website at summitcpa.net to get more tips and strategies for achieving modern CPA firm success. We're here to be a resource in this ever-changing industry.